coming to you from Santa Clara, California. I am in the recording studio at the Hilton Business Office with studio Jose Bovida, L1 Sacramento, and Ricky Hayashi, Level 3 from the Interstate. Okay. That's where I live now, apparently. The Interstate. I'm actually spending more time away from home than in my new home of Roanoke this month. I don't know why I'm paying rent at my apartment. <laughs> you, should, you should just pay, like, you know, car yeah. insurance and just. I, live I'm there. actually paying for the pets to stay at home and do nothing. <laughs> but well, they love and, you. And you did spend some time in a ditch off the interstate in Nebraska, so we're here. Yes. Right? Well, I only spent, like, maybe an hour in the ditch. The right. van stayed in the ditch a little longer. Okay, so. so before we go any further, um, we're all very glad that you're safe and alive, and you know Tasha and Alexi and everybody who was in the van is safe and alive. And all the cards are fine. Well, we're more happy That's for wonderful. me and Tasha. Yeah. Alexi, yeah, he's Alexi. Okay. Well, send your send your mail to Ricky Hayashi at well, no, you don't send it to Ricky Hayashi. Send it to us at judgecast at gmail dot com. But Tell us more about being stuck in a ditch in Nebraska because this is related to magic judging and that it's one of the perils we endure. <laughs> it's not a, <laughs> it's, yeah, random ditches. All right, well, let's, let's tell people what's going on. We are currently in Santa Clara. Yes. At Santa the Clara. San Jose Open, Star City Games Open. And if that doesn't make sense to you, that is okay because... It's just another one of those, you want to name it after the city people actually know rather than where your location is. Yeah, like is. PT New York, you know, yeah. the, the the one they had in like New Jersey. Right. Close well, enough. I mean, actually, to be fair, Grand Prix San Francisco was held at the San Jose Convention Center. But so, now, so, so what? They owe us one? <laughs> but now San Jose is big enough that it's like, hey, we know that city. Well, it's the 10th like, largest city in the country. Where the heck is Santa Clara? Yeah. San Jose is the 10th largest city in the country? It is. Really? really? Yeah. yeah. Random tidbit. I did not know that. Now they're, they're, they're a client of mine for work, so I, I'm, aware, I'm okay. aware. Anyway, so we're in San Jose right now. We're in Santa Clara. And last week, the Star City show was in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of equipment and product and stuff, and it's expensive to ship that kind of stuff out. So someone has to drive the company van to each of these events. And for this shift, it was myself and Tasha, my girlfriend, who also works for Star City. We drove from Virginia to Kansas City, and then moving on from Kansas City to here in California. The problem was, the day we left Kansas City... There was a fairly large snowstorm for the area, and the roads were icy, and we suffered, you know, one of those spin-outs. I was, Tasha was driving, and I was actually in the passenger seat using our mobile uh, Wi-Fi connection, and I was on the computer chatting to uh, my, my manager, Jared Silva, back home, and we were, you know, taking care of business. I was on AIM chatting with him. And then I hear Tasha go, oh, crap. <laughs> because there's always, there's always enough time. Yeah. There's yeah. always enough time to blurt out an expletive when you know something bad's going to happen to you. Because well, she had hit a patch of ice. Well, and, you know, and I looked up. I was like, what, what's going on? I look up. I looked up from the computer. 
And I see uh, the headlights of the car behind us. <laughs> and I'm like, that's weird. That's, you know, backwards from what I should see. <laughs> huh. And, and then we kept spinning, and then we sp- spun off the side of the road mm-hmm. into a snowbank. Luckily, uh, you did not roll, no. which uh, didn't and have any damage or anything like that? No. Perfectly wow. fine. And and really, it's it's a credit to Tasha's driving skills. Like, even though she hit the ice and spun out... She's from Minnesota. She has experience with driving in these conditions. Had it been me, you know, California, I, we see snow once every 10 years yep. in our area. Had it been me driving, it very well could have been, you know, the van rolling over and being on its side. Wow. Because I, I have no experience with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I have so, less. I'm from Miami. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so I'm glad to hear that you guys are safe, of course. Um you posted some pictures on Facebook, and everybody was worried immediately. Uh, it sounds like, though, Tasha even had some local connections to get you out oh, of that yeah, she rut. has relatives everywhere, so we got a little assistance from, from her cousin, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Good, good. So now that you're on this wonderful coast of the country, the better coast of the two you have to choose from... <laughs> it's really hot here. <laughs> It's kind of weird to come back, and it's like the dead of winter. I'm like, oh, it's like 40 degrees. That's too warm. That's weird. Yeah. That, is, that is weird for California. That's not even... Yeah. So you're here now, and running a StarCityGames.com open for the weekend here. Yeah, uh, we yeah. just finished nine rounds of standard for our standard open, along with the quarterfinals. And we continue to see some pretty amazing people making the top top eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we finished the quarter, so we're down to the top four. It's uh, Matt Nass. Brian Kibler. Brian Kibler, Hall of Famer. Alex Bertensini, who is our current StarCityGames.com Open Series Player of the Year. Although it's and important to note that he has two warnings going into the semifinals. For Looking what? at extra cards. Okay, so uh, he, he should probably not look at any more cards. Right, he, he should, should really play with a blindfold. Basically, he cannot use Jay's the Mind Sculptor anymore. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's that's what it comes down to for him. Uh, is it? And, he's extra fate sealing. Yeah, he's yeah. extra fate sealing and extra brainstorming, and that's just bad. Oh, extra well, brainstorming. Well you, well, you flip a card, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so and who's the, f- the fourth player is Adam Prosak, right? Who uh, is a, a well-known. He's actually a legacy specialist. Every time he comes to one of these, he's like, I'm going to win the Legacy. I'm just playing Standard for the heck of it. And still, something to still do. managing to top four of the Standard. Well, here. now, how does that work? Because we have semifinals and finals of the sure. Standard tomorrow. And Legacy starts tomorrow also at 10. I mean, well, we're, we're, we're bringing the top four back at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And that should be plenty of time for them to be able to wrap up semifinals. Okay. So far, we've had no problems with this. Okay. As always, like it's it's very key for judges to make sure that the pace of play is sufficient. Well, and you do something a little unusual um, that brings us to an interesting judging question, oh. and that is that you time the top eight, uh, or at least you have in the past for the Star City Open. Oh, that's so, interesting. That's usually like the the Wizards uh, tournaments. Once you get to the top eight, it's not it's untimed. Right. Like you're you're expected to play at a, at a steady pace, but you know there's no there's no clock, you know, breathing down your neck. Right. But in Kansas City, we had one of those matches went to time, 
and how do you it actually know that? went into a sudden death. Match. I was there, and I like hardly know this stuff. <laughs> so that's one of the, the pitfalls of, of how you know, running a timed top eight um, when you have this schedule to keep on and sure. multiple tournaments to run on a weekend. Um, running a timed top eight means that sometimes you run into these really weird situations. So Don't play poison. Poison? Yeah. Oh, right, because poison counters don't matter. Yeah, in, in, the, the in, sudden death is life total only. Right. We've had some discussions with judges like, do you think we should have like the second sudden death if life totals are tied, poison counters? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Eh, maybe, what? but it doesn't come up at all, oh, so man. why bother? Side, sideboard uh, tainted strike for the win, you yeah. know? <laughs> well, that's, oh, we're kind of even, but hey, guess what? Here's a poison counter. Well, that's that's such a. Uh, I mean, it comes up so infrequently. But to, let's go over how that can happen and what happens when we get into, uh, you know, say Ricky and I are in a in a single elimination. Match, okay, I win you know. two zero. Okay, say we're in another single elimination match. Let's try it again. Can you? Is there any matchup where you can beat me? <laughs> okay, let's let's say that limited. Okay, a miracle happens. Let's and, say it's and I, sealed. And I'm yeah. in a very terrible pool. Actually, right. and you I, take a game off me, and I obviously win one game. Okay. I had I had this great time at the Rise of the Eldrazi pre-release. I I did really well, but my last round opponent really just put the screws on me. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. We did have a, a match between you two, right? Yeah. Okay. So 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 it did go one one, right? Yeah. Okay. So we won one. Let's say it's a single elimination match, um, and it goes to time, and when it goes to time. Um, normally, it's whoever has the highest life total will win at that point for the, the current game. And if that determines the outcome of the match, then that determines the match, and then you're done. But when it goes to time, and, and you've taken the extra turns. And you've taken else, the five turns. Yeah. Sure. At the end of all that, um, if you have an identical life total, then it turns into a sudden death issue where you decide... The game, based on the first change in life total, after you, you've established that it is that sudden death, you know, situation. Now, when you say change in life total, do you mean I oust my own creature and win? Yes. Wow. You oust your own creature and win, or or all I can think about right now is John Claude Van Damme and sudden <laughs> death, <laughs> and now I'm thinking about kickboxer. Bloodsport, blood man. Sport. It's all that's about the, that's the Kumate. Thing you know. I think I like Kickboxer better than Bloodsport. You know, Kickboxer. The, the, bo- the end boss in that movie was was really sick. Yeah. But it's all about Bolo Young. That's the thing, though. Bloodsport had Bolo Young. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, now I remember why you left, Ricky. There's way too much banter here. No, no, no. <laughs> you are next! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... you can't. You, you, not only can you not beat him at formats, uh, he'll also... Kill you, at the you. End. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Movie references. Um, so, first change in life total could be a player gaining life, or it could be a player cracking a fetch land. Yeah, it could be any anything silly so, like that. So yeah, that I, I remember hearing this at Kansas City. The player sided out because they were tied one one when it went into sudden death. So they had a chance to sideboard before a sudden death game three. Wow! Mm-hmm. So he boarded out his thought seizes, but left his fetch lands in. I don't like. I don't know if he had nothing better to bring in, but fetch lands are straight up dead in yeah. sudden death. So really, just anything is better than yeah. a fetch land. 
Like a, a they are dr- no a longer Draco, lands. A Draco would be better than a Fetchland. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yes. <laughs> Trade me all of your Fetchlands for Dracos. We have found the format where that is true. Okay. So that's that's what can happen. Uh, we're not looking to that to happen tomorrow morning though for the top four and finals of this open. I doubt it. Yeah, it's it's a very I, I, unlikely. We see scenario. this happen. And this is one of the reasons we've moved the top four to Sunday morning, is that people are tired at the end of you know nine or ten rounds of Swiss and a top eight, and that's when you start to play slow. Mm-hmm. So get a good night's sleep, get some breakfast, come back fresh, and pace of play is fine. Now, this is another question I have, is that um, are the deck lists shared among those top four competitors? Yeah, Or the top eights? We right? will be doing that. Okay, and tell us a little bit about the philosophy of sharing that kind of deck, sharing a deck list like that, because you don't always get that. I mean, at a top eight of a PTQ, you're not going to get to share the deck lists among the sure. top eight. I mean, that's in a, a normal sort of a weird thing. in a normal one day tournament. If you find out what your opponent's playing by watching their match or your friend telling you about their match, you know that's an advantage you can gain. Mm-hmm. However, once you have something roll over into the next day. We've had event coverage for this event. Right. Some people have been featured in deck techs. Some people, you know, have been in video feature matches, or maybe uh, we've tweeted some information about their decks because we found something interesting. Right. So we or don't. Or anybody. Has. We don't want anything we've done to give an advantage to their opponent. So we give them a, an opportunity to look over each other's deck lists and have complete information. And did they get those deck lists tonight, or do they get them uh, tomorrow No, they'll morning? get them tomorrow morning when they sit down. Okay, so they'll only get a few minutes to really look yeah. at it. Yeah, it's not a pro tour. They're not going to go home and play test this matchup to death. Yeah, okay. So it's not just the Standard <laughs> Open and the Legacy Open that are happening this weekend. That's true. Um, There's also Draft Opens. Drafto. Yeah. Pen. <laughs> Drafto. Uh, draft opens. Uh, the amazing draft opens. Basically limited to the first 64 players. They each draft in yeah, a pot of eight. I thought people love to draft. So far, we have not maxed out any of our draft opens at 64. Okay. So when it does that, though, you get the top eight players yeah. out of those, and then they all draft another 64 table. players, eight pods of eight. Mm-hmm. We do a draft, and then the top eight, we cut to top eight, and then they draft. So Simple. If, you, if you don't fill in the 64, how do you get the last pod of eight? Like, if you only have, like, six pods of eight uh, going in, do you, like, is there we, some weird second we place? We have some DCI reporter foo, and we can force it to make eight pods no matter what. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know this computer nonsense. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, I hear they're a fad, so don't worry about it. Oh, good. Yeah. So the the other thing that's happening this weekend, aside from the Star City events, um, is that there's actually uh, at, customer appreciation week. At, at well, there's, yeah, there's a ton of events going on there. They've got like three one Ks and other stuff. But what I was really getting at was the judge conference on Monday. Ooh, exciting! So you yeah. know I'm supposed to give a seminar for that. What's your seminar going to be on? I haven't written it yet. <laughs> I haven't written mine either. Okay. So you guys are total slackers. No, no, we're total ad-libbers. There's a difference. Oh. Well, it's interesting because my seminar... It's I, good to I, know I because the people who are listening to this, the judges, they won't aren't going to know that you guys are full of crap <laughs> until after the judge seminar. 
so and it's gonna be fantastic. Be like, and they'll be like, "Wow, he didn't have that written. That was the best seminar ever." Uh, totally, that's yeah. what they'll say about uh-huh. mine. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so my, I believe the title I submitted to Luis Fernandez was, um, "But I play one on TV." Mm-hmm. You know the the old "I'm not a doctor, but I play I one on TV. TV," referencing the fact that to be a good judge. You don't actually have to be a good judge. You just have to know some good judges and pretend to be them. Uh, you know, it's funny because that came up with me today. Uh-huh. Yes. Who are you Tell channeling? us about it. Who are you channeling, Jose? I was channeling Sean Cadenese. Ooh, who admitted to me that They're he... They're doing man hugs right now. <laughs> That's actually true. That's actually true. Uh, and he admitted to me that he... Emulates Ricky Hayashi. Ooh. Well, no, I didn't actually. And Ricky that, Hayashi yes. emulates Yogi Bear. So, yeah. What I'm trying to, what basically what we were talking about was that um, sometimes I look to the role model that I have in my judging, and a lot of that comes from what I've learned from you, Ricky. And because of that, I tend to overwork myself very quickly or very easily get into a situation where I take on more than I really should. Um, overcommit and overwork myself because that, that's that what is a tradition of mine, right? Um, and I, I, you know, I mean, the whole idea of devoting, you know, three or four nights a week to magic. Uh, sometimes that's not the best thing that's a little for my low. marriage, right? <laughs> for my marriage, <laughs> right. you're not trying hard enough, exactly. So, so um, you know, for we were talking about it in the context of you testing for level two, I think, Jose. Where the question is like, I can't well, test for level two. Then it's going to be like two level twos right, on the, the podcast. Then, then the question is like, and it's uh, a cube. You know, yeah. Are you, you know, but the question being like, are you ready for level two? Because gosh, you know, all the level twos that you can model do so much and you don't do that, all the, the stuff that they do. But really, I mean, there are a lot of L2s in the world that they don't maybe not do as much as you think an L2 needs to do. L2s are, are level two judges are critical to growing the program as mentors, as developing the program for for the rest of our benefit. Um, but it's not about, you know, going out there and being in the public eye a lot or being, uh, you know, a, you know, champion for all things and writing articles and doing seminars. And it's not about doing all that. That's all great. But you can be an L2 and run your pre-releases and be awesome for your local store and, that's fulfilling the duties admirably. There's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, you don't have to be the Ricky Hayashi version of a level two, or, you know, or, and I'm not, certainly not even close to what Ricky was when he was a level two. No, you need to so, go to, you need to go to more foreign countries yeah. for tournaments. And yeah, I mean, that. I'm not nearly the globetrotter that you were, and nor will I ever be. I mean, that's. Although that's, Alexi is. Alexi's really? getting out there. Yeah. Alexi had, uh, he went to GP Toronto. Was he, was he in Nashville? We're talking about Alexi Gusev from Davis. Yeah, I think he was L2. in Nashville. He's going to be in Atlanta next weekend. Paris. And he's, he's going to Pro Tour Paris and GP Denver. Wow. So he's packing it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does remind me kind of of what I was doing <laughs> back in the day. And it also shows. I mean, he's on the He's floor. young and spry. Well, but it shows It shows in his actions as a judge, too. I mean, I've seen... Oh, he's grown so much. The experience that he's gained from going to all these places and doing all these tournaments, it's amazing. Um, it's. I mean, I envy it to some degree because I know I can't really hack that myself. 
Um, but it's it's amazing to see an L2 doing that. Again, you don't have to be Alexi either, Jose, if you want to be a level 2 judge. You don't have to travel the world for it. I mean, if you want to, you can make that your, your die brook, but you don't <laughs> have to. Um, so there's, I mean, there are level 2s that just work with one store, but do it admirably and, and work their asses off and their communities are better for that. Can you so, say that? Asses? Oh, whoa, whoa. Beep. Yeah. You did say so. asses. Asses. <clears throat> okay. Uh, work their butts off. Work their butts off. Um, so, okay. So that's, uh, that's what we have going on for this weekend. The Star City Games Open. Well, what's your seminar? Oh, my seminar. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my she sem- plays one on TV. And uh, you... The title of my seminar is uh, How to Lose on Purpose Without Being DQ'd. Um, it's a it's the scoop the, the pattern <laughs> that seems pretty basic the, I mean, the pattern the handout has you know concede on it and that's it in um, half by eleven so there was a size seventy two font there was a, a comic a Broadway Sans. show years ago called How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying that's where I'm oh okay yeah. how, how to, how to, so. Who's you are emulating me by your title is a reference to something else. Oh, absolutely, sure. Okay. Um, so the so this idea of how to lose on purpose without being DQ'd is that oftentimes um, the issue of concessions and uh, making bribes, uh, being able to concede properly at the end of a tournament, right? Um, when you want to concede, um, or you know the issue of if I do concede. Um, am I, you know, in the middle of accepting a bribe, or, or how how does how do concessions and bribery work? Essentially, is what this seminar is all about. Um, and it's uh, again, we're recording most of the seminars um, for uh, the benefit of the larger judge community. Hopefully, we'll be able to post those either on DCI Family or some other format. Um, we've actually, I've, I've sat down with uh, Eric Levine and Luis Fernandez to uh, work on. Um, the role-playing scenarios. Oh, so who, have, who are they? Uh, they're both uh, judges in the Bay Area here. Uh, Eric Levine just tested for level three mm-hmm. in Chiba at Worlds uh, and was successful there. Um, Lewis is I a level two. Here. Yes, that was it. Was a, it was a huge moment? Yeah. It was a huge moment for Eric to make level three uh, for our area, for our region. It was yeah. That, for the United yeah. States. Uh, yeah, that's not an understatement. Um, so. For, for so Eric has uh, put together some uh, role playing scenarios, um, and I kind of sat down with Lewis and Eric to help flesh out what these scenarios are. Um, so we're going to have a couple seminars, then a bunch of role playing scenarios. We're breaking into small groups and talk through different scenarios, and then go back and roll to a dice. And- and no, that's yeah, rolling dice. Uh, I mean, we may have some rolling dice. We may have some. I see what you did there. <laughs> I don't see what you did there. I'm, I'm missing. <laughs> Roll playing, rolling dice. Oh god! All right. Well, so. I'm attacking the darkness. Anybody want a Mountain Okay. Okay. Wow. The best part is that it totally went over. He's like, yeah, yeah, rolling dice, too. <laughs> We're going to roll dice. Oh, no, I was oh, thinking, man. like, improperly determining a winner. I know, I know. Okay. But here you go with your, your dice-chucking RPG references, and I'm, I'm, nah. Okay. Uh, now I remember why we missed you so much, Ricky. 
Okay, so I feel bad. The merciless, incessant. Yeah. I'm just not nearly as good at, at, at getting Jose to laugh and getting Jose to give us the the real humor of the show. I, you're the one that inspires it in him, so I'm I'm not nearly the. I, well, I've always I've always said that the the podcast is is a three man thing. Like the dynamic here is 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 the way to go. Well, like where it. I'm trying to hold you two apart from making jokes <laughs> the entire time, <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep some sanity to this thing. Well, yeah. we'll see. Um, okay, so I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you. No, off. no, that's fine. Oh, so so role, role, role play playing, serious, role playing, and then more scenarios, and so <laughs> this is. It's really hard to keep a straight face with you, Ricky, especially when we don't see you that often. Okay. <laughs> especially when um, he has that straight face. He's uh, like, I'm um, making faces at them. This is like ten minutes I'm just going to have to cut out completely. <laughs> I, oh, actually, I have a new face. So, um, at Star City, we're all, we're all trying to find our Pokemon mascots. Oh, nice. Nicholas Saban has decided that his is Mudkips. Okay. Which I don't even know what this thing is. It's some kind of fish Pokemon. Yeah, we actually have a game where we. Oh wait, no, it's Yu-Gi-Oh that we. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Yu-Gi-Oh. We'll, we'll get into that game later. Tell us yeah. more about Mudkip. That's that's a fun game. Okay. Uh, and, and to get the background of this story, you have to know that when I play EDH, one of my favorite cards to play is Mirror Battlesphere. Oh uh, yes. And when I when I cast Mirror Battlesphere, when I attack with it, I say roll out. You know, the Autobots roll out because it's a can, bunch can of robots. Do, can you do that for us? Again here, can, the way that you, you sure. would say it in, in game. Autobots transform and roll out. There we go. But okay. then, in addition to saying roll out, you have to do the roll out dance, which unfortunately this is an audio podcast. You can't see it, but uh, you you do this, which I don't know how you describe that. The yeah. arms circling each other. Yeah, sure. In, in, in the in the rolling. So I randomly I randomly pulled a Pokemon card out of this long box we have. And it was a Pokemon called Sunkern. And its and its attack is roll out. What? Yeah. Pretty cool. And then its second attack is a minor errand running. It's like, <laughs> that's something I like to do as well. So I'm like, this is my Pokemon mascot. Like both of the attacks fit me. And then it, the the Sunkern is like this it's a seed, it's a plant type Pokemon. And it's kind of like looking up in the air like this. So I have a new a new face for you, Sean. This is the Sunkern face. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you for that visual. Yeah, this on the audio podcast. podcast. You're welcome, yeah, okay. everyone. Okay, so, Sean, we're lost now. You have to put us back on track. What were we talking about? Um, you know, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. It was something about judging. That's what's going on this weekend. We talked about the judge seminar on Monday, the judge conference. Um, that Lewis and Eric had put together. Um, we talked a little bit about the Open. Uh, you alluded to the uh, Superstars Customer Appreciation Weekend, that sort of thing. So it's been a big weekend for Bay Area Magic. Um, we also have five level zeros that we want to test. Oops. And, right. Oops. <laughs> and, but apparently BCIX, the system that runs the test generation, um, is not working, so can't do that. Also have some folks that should be testing for level two this weekend that aren't because of that. Um, that said, there will be other ways to get them tested. Hopefully oh man, I, I was totally going to test for level two, but <laughs> you should. <laughs> everyone, just... everyone thinks you're good enough, except yeah. for you. That's, that's and what I was telling people is, you sitting here 
on this podcast and listening to Sean like blabber, blabber on about the IPG, you're learning more than the average L2 candidate. Well, honestly. And, but, and just as just as our listeners are learning stuff. So all and our you're, listeners you're in the are, thick of it. Oh, yeah. Wait, is that because I get to look at him while he ta- blathers on? I mean talks. Well, no, it's because you hear all the stuff that he cuts out. Oh, but all of that. <laughs> so all does of the, everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> all, of the, all of the extraneous explanation. like. Although there was that one episode where you explained the lightning bolt. And it was like 45 minutes of explaining I, how to cast know, a lightning bolt. I never bolt. got to tell you when you actually choose how many things you're going oh, to splice dear. onto the lightning bolt. Or <laughs> how many times you're... anything. It's not arcane. Or how many times you're going to replicate it. I mean, that, that matters. Uh, you could replicate it. Yeah, Jin Illuminatus. There you yes. go. Yeah. So when do you choose that, Ricky? Do you want to go back into that or... No. Okay. No. We're never going back to that. Ricky doesn't. I don't. Listeners don't. That's just you. On the interstate, I may travel 88 miles per hour, but I do not time travel. And you do not need roads. No. Where we're go- <laughs> All you need is snowbanks, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so, I mean, so we, had, we had a tournament, and it was, it was, you know, great. There were a lot of weird uh, moments, you know. A lot of weird moments. Tell me what you, what, what you mean by weird moments. Uh, well, you know, various judge calls. I don't know if we want to talk about that. Yeah, we can talk about the judge calls, absolutely. Uh, actually, let me talk about one one that, one particularly that, that happened uh, to me uh, was that uh, player A and player B playing their match, both playing white. Um, player A has Gideon Jura, uh, and player B has a ley line of sanctity and two or three creatures. Um, what happens is that player A activates Gideon Jura, using his plus two ability, saying that player B needs to attack Gideon Jura with his creatures next turn. Now that's an illegal action because player B has Shroud, but we, you know, he, both players let it happen because they don't realize that it's an illegal action. So it happens, um, and then... Why? Like, you people with Leyline of Sanctity, <laughs> you're presumably boarding it in for a reason. Don't forget that reason. Like, yeah. some, someone else... Oh, let himself a, get like duress or something. Memoricide. Memoricide. Yeah, yeah. there's memoricide with a ley line in play. Yeah, but so, that, and and by the time they realized it, I mean it was well beyond a point where you could I, rewind. If I had a ley line of sanctity in play, anything my opponent did, I would just say I have shroud. Just in case. <laughs> just just in you case. Know, he like preordains like no 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 I have shroud like. Uh, <laughs> No, but that stuff happens all the time. I mean, we, we've seen a few of them. Uh, we saw a guy today uh, cast an Emrakul. A card cast. No, no, no. I have Shroud. <laughs> right, obviously. You know, take an extra turn. No, not me. Take an extra turn. No. So he casts he cast uh, Emrakul, and the other guy uh, plays a Mana Leak. Goes, a Mana Leak it. Okay. Two outside spectators go, oh, no, it, it can't be countered. So the guy untaps his land, puts a man leak back, and says, oh, okay, I'm not going to play that. And the other player what? says, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> what? <laughs> you can hold on to your man leak. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's very that's, kind. Well, uh, or very outside assistancy on the, on yeah. the yeah. part of the two spectators. Um, so there, there's that. But let's get back to the, the be- Okay. Oh, so I got another tangent. The best man leak story I heard, 
Alexander Shearer, who's mm-hmm. a who's a local who writes he, for Channel Fireball yeah. and Star City Games, somehow. Yeah, they, yeah. They, we both let him do that. Yeah, I don't know. Very buddy buddy. Maybe we don't know. <laughs> we haven't figured it out. <laughs> Somebody hasn't. I, I guess Roanoke doesn't listen to Judge yeah. Casting. Um, yeah. Anyway, thing, if you're listening to this, you've just found out. Okay. He he cast a creature spell. His opponent mana leaked it. Now Alexander had three open lands, so his opponent was just mana leaking to tap him out and you know make him spend some mana so he couldn't cast anything else that turn. Well, instead, Alexander said, uh, okay, I don't pay three, it's countered. Uh-oh. <laughs> At this point, the pun's like, oh no, you know, his head drops because Alexander proceeds to drop three summoning traps in a row. Because oh. his creature had been countered. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Awesome. That's the best. Uh, I'm not going to pay for And then the flips lead. over three Emrakuls and oh. I don't. He didn't no. tell me what he flipped over. It was, it was just cool enough that he pulled yeah. off the three summoning traps. Well, that's awesome. Okay, so back to Gideon. Gideon Jura, Leyland of Sanctity. Gideon Jura gonna attack me? Well, yeah, that's the. Uh-huh. Um, I have shroud. <laughs> you have to say no, no, no. I have shroud. I, no, no, no. And I have shroud. Okay. Yeah. I did do the finger. Yeah, okay. yeah, listeners just didn't pick that up because it's, they didn't now hear the finger. Now that you know, you have really to fast. wag your finger. <laughs> Okay. No, no, no. I have Shroud. So, Gideon Jury gets activated. Players don't realize it. Um, you, you go through the second main phase of the player who activated Gideon Jury. Mm-hmm. Go through um, you know, the end step, the next player B's uh, untap, upkeep, draw, main phase. He's ready to go it, into combat and he realizes, ah, oh, you couldn't target me with the Gideon Jura ability. Uh, judge... So you get called into the situation, and you're asked to remedy it somehow. So Gideon's plus two targets the player right. who had Shroud, or Troll Shroud. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you're asked to come in and fix the situation? What's the infraction? Uh, well, the infraction sounds like uh, a game rule violation. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. For targeting a player. For targeting a player who has Shroud. Okay. Um, so that's a warning for the player who has who has the thing that did the targeting. Right. Um, so And a failure to maintain game state for the person that has Shroud and should have known better. Sure. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I don't think I back up anything. Right. We, we've just, I, I, that's one of the reasons I said it that way, was to make it clear that you've gone through much too much complexity to rewind. Right. Okay, so let's throw rewinding right out. We're not going to go back. Yeah, I think I think the times that you can rewind are so few that I'm I'm okay just not rewinding. Most of the time, that's that's the case. I think there, there are cases where you can rewind, but okay, let's let's say for the okay, purposes so, of this example, you can't. So, uh, can, point is, can the the player attack? Uh, you know, the defending player instead of his Gideon Jura. Is that what you're asking? Right. Do you do you apply the the requirement? The legally resolved ability. Yeah. No, right? Like, you don't apply it, do you? Well, every time we've asked this question, the people who say, yes, you do, are the people making a funny face. They're like, I uh, really, I feel weird doing it, but I think I have to. And the people who say, no, you, you don't apply it, they feel really good about that answer because it seems, it, see, it feels right. It feels like the right answer. And 
the right answer is the one that feels wrong in this case. Oh, okay. Um, as far as policy is concerned, because with if you don't actually apply Gideon's ability, then you're not. It's it's as though you're you're only providing a partial fix to the situation. Gideon's ability is part of the game state, and we've decided in not rewinding to leave the game state as it is. Okay. We can't go back and take certain parts of the game state out and say, well, because this was produced by some sort of illegal effect, we don't have it anymore, or it won't apply later, or that, that sort of thing. Um, another good example that, like this that came up earlier today was that um, somebody had a Valkyrie player and a, a uh, green-blue player. The green-blue player has a guy's revenge on the battlefield, and the Valakut player has a Valakut and enough mountains to trigger it. He triggers his Valakut and he says, okay, we deal three damage to Guy's Revenge. Uh-oh. Well, that's that's fine. Both players... I mean, it's not legal, but both players Are don't, okay. don't cue on that. They don't say, oh, that's a problem. Okay. okay. So because Valakut is colorless, it's not green, it can't target the, the Guy's Revenge, but the players let it happen. Um, and then later on in the turn, after they've gone through some combat and done some other stuff... In the second main phase, that player with the Valakut plays a Pyroclasm and says, okay, these, this is the two damage I need to finish off your guy's revenge. Well, you get called over. We don't take the three damage that Valakut had marked on the, on the guy's revenge. We don't take that off, even though it's the result of an illegal effect. We leave that on there, and the two damage from the Pyroclasm does kill the guy's revenge. Um, it's awkward to fix it that way, but we have to leave, if we do leave the game state as it is, we leave all of it the way it is. Okay. Uh, we don't rewind partially or take pieces out just to make it feel right. Um, we either leave it or we rewind every action back oh. to the point where the problem happened. Okay, so if that's again now, that seems okay for, you know, something like this that's a one-off, but what if it's something weird like, you know, something ongoing? I feel like that, that seems weird. An emblem. There you go. So if guy an emblem was created illegally, like they didn't have enough loyalty counters or whatnot. Yeah. Exactly. Or there was a a, a piling needle in play. Yeah, that's poker. that's a great that's a great example. Uh, you know, guy has Venser. Other guy plays Pithing Needle. I think uh, that, that's a valid question. I mean, there's definitely room in there's definitely room in policy for this sort of approach to become really wonky. Yeah. To become really strange and and uh, to, to really get at that gut instinct of this doesn't feel like the correct fix for the situation. Now, to be fair, the players misapplying the rules got into this situation. Right. Uh, if they had applied the rules properly, we wouldn't be in that situation. Um, so any fix is, in some sense, imperfect. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's it's worth it's worth I think. You know, getting some sense of is there a better way to approach policy on this, or is this really the cleanest way we can do this right. without making it so complex? It's a two hundred page list yeah. of exceptions or list of yeah. Because at the end of the day, you have to write this down and communicate it to other judges, and, and then if you yeah. yeah, and if you make it something really nebulous, mm -hmm. then you start getting uh, uh, you know uh, a difference from tournament to tournament. I mean, we we yeah. really strive to get judge calls to be judge calls so everything feels like you know 
Well, you want players to know what to expect. Exactly. Uh, we want, and, and that's sort of where this falls apart, though, is because this is not the expected outcome for the situation. You right. don't expect your emblem to stick around if it's there improperly somehow. Yep. You don't expect, you know, you don't expect your creatures to have to attack Gideon if we realize that they shouldn't have been able to be subject to that requirement. Well, you know, I, that's the policy that we have to live with right now. That's that's where it sits. So I asked this question. To everyone, I guess, is there a way to construct a policy that can handle this? That's a great to, question. To do what we kind of feel is right, which is no, you don't have to attack Gideon. No, there's no emblem. No. Yeah. But is there a way to attack it properly without yeah. just coming up with a list of all the possible, you know, SBAs I, and, and other things that could go? I mean, that could be misapplied. Because the main issue is that these are quote unquote invisible things, right? Yeah. In terms of the game. It's it's not like an illegal thing happens and hey that creature is still in play or whatever. Right, but by the way, we did job this uh, this uh, the what was it the oblivion ring uh, put something into play. Like if somebody leaves something in play and you start playing some games and it's just in play and finally they're like, why is this in play? Oh, it's from like last game's oblivion ring. This is the same scenario. And in that scenario, you leave the creature in play. We had this discussion That's in one true. of the judge casts. That's and true. I said there's absolutely no way that could work because who knows how this card got here. But this is the same uh, situation where the fix is leave it, you, it, leave it let it lie. Yeah. So yeah, if you is... accidentally leave an Emrakul in play and just leave it in play... And the if your opponent says, okay, face. the literal <laughs> cheaty face, that's what it was, the cheaty face scenario. Yeah. That you can cheaty face anything you want into magic, and if it stays around long enough, it's okay. Well, as long, because as, the long, as, long is, as you don't get caught for fraud. Right. Or, or for manipulation well, of materials. Happened, or I think, at the Baltimore Open last year, last September, where a player uh, used a fetch land, I think, and got a land out. And another card stuck to that land, the back right. of that land. And maybe it was a creature, right? And a couple turns later, he's like, oh, what's this behind my land? It's a creature. That's what it, yeah. yeah. The cheaty face. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what people have to realize, though, is that they need to play my, the game My feeling carefully. is, like, no, just shuffle that GTFO, shuffle it back in your library. Yeah. It, uh, sounds, it sounds right. But, it, you know, we had this discussion with Sean, and he said, well, where is this card? Well, it's stuck behind a land, but it's sitting in play. The land's in play. Yeah. I mean, so well, the card's in play. I mean, so, you know, just cover the front of your Emrakul sleeves in, like, you know, Gorilla Glue or whatever, Gorilla Snot, <laughs> and, and just, you know, put them next to your cards. Put them next to your lands. Well, the, that's, that's a, I mean... Oops! I don't get the extra turn, do I, Judge? <laughs> no, it's been in play. Just annihilate him for six on turn two. This, and this, I, I bring this up because this is, you know, some of the extremes of why it feels wrong. And, well, feels I, and wrong, I understand. But how do you how do you write right. a policy that you can actually apply consistently? Yeah, right. it's good. It's good. It's good to know the fact that you explained it perfectly. Like you can't half ass the. Uh, no, you rewind every action. If there's a card draw and we can't figure out which card is drawn, we take a random card from your hand. So it's not a perfect rewind no matter how many times we rewind uh, yeah, all the cards. It's not going to be perfect. But we do as many actions as we can rewound. Yeah, and then but when you lose track of them, mm-hmm. then what can you do? 
like for instance, uh, the the Emrakul under the land, or you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So those are those are definitely things to consider. So um, that's one of the rulings that came up today, or well, like four of them. We fall into this <laughs> yeah. this discussion here. Do we, um, can we can we talk about the the round one? Uh, oh, that's, spreading that's, that's seeds that's for the should, match win. We should actually definitely talk about that. Um, the, so the, give you the background on this here: Brian Kibler and his opponent in round one. How come you don't know his opponents, man? Because his opponent. He's not a Hall of Famer. Famer, probably. (laughs) He was wearing the ring, and for the people out there who haven't seen this ring, it it actually looks really pimp. Yeah. The ring? The ring. He gets a Hall of Fame ring. Oh, Brian. You know, like, like, you know, World Series-style ring. Smaller, obviously. I have a a funny story from Worlds, which was where he was inducted into the Hall of Fame and got his ring. Uh, After the induction ceremony... He's taking a few pictures for the coverage, and he's doing the classic, you know, Green Lantern pose where he holds his fist out with the ring, like right in the in the face of the camera. Very tasteful. Yeah. I like it. And someone else comes up while he's getting these pictures taken and says, "Brian, Brian, can I get a few of those shots too?" Brian says, "Sure thing. I'm never gonna get tired of this." <laughs> that, that's but that's true, right? Right. Yeah. Like if if you are inducted into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. That's just got to be one of the best moments of your life, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, it is. sure, it is. And you know, congrats to him. So it, yeah. it's really, really cool to see that. So, so let's talk about his round one yeah. game. He, so, he, and this is what Hall of Famers do. They'll <laughs> beat you with a spreading seas, and that's all they have to do. They don't even need to play the spreading seas. Well, it is not his spreading seas. He played it in game one. No, it wasn't, oh. it wasn't his. It, was it wasn't his. his. He beat so, this guy uh, with his own <laughs> spreading seas. So okay, let's let's go through the scenario before we shortcut it here. Um, the the idea was that um, so in game one, uh, Brian Kibler wins game one, and in the course of that game, his opponent had played spreading seas, um, enchanting one of his lands, uh, one of Kibler's lands. So at the end of game one, uh, Kibler and his opponent shuffle their decks up. Um, you know, collect all their cards, shuffle up, um, you know, sideboard or whatever. Um, and the way to hear Kibler explain it in his in his quarterfinal match of the top eight, he was talking about the versus system and other random stuff with other spectators that were nearby watching his match. And so he was distracted. Um, you know, he shuffles up again, presents his deck. Um, you know, they cut. You know, draw their hands, etc. And basically, soon after that, realized that there's this purple sleeve that doesn't belong inside Brian Kibler's deck, and it's sitting in the middle of a stack of cards, and it looks suspiciously like the spreading seas that was played on his island, or played on his, his land by his opponent in the first game of the match. So what's happened is that Brian has presented a 61-card deck with which some is, random is, spreading with, with somebody else's spreading seeds that does not match his deck list. He's got 76 cards between his 15-card sideboard and his 61 here, um, it's, and he registered 75, not 76. Okay, so that's a game loss for him, deck, deck list problem. Um, his opponent has presented a 59-card deck, also a deck, deck list problem. They both get a game loss. So, so with one game win and each player getting a game loss, Brian Kibler wins the match. And that's how you do it. Okay. So what happened here, um, shortly after this, um, you know, Seamus Campbell, the head judge, 
um, you know, realized that, wow, this has a lot of potential for some abuse. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, where you're coming at this, Jose. Uh, and that is true. <laughs> um, so, you know, in his uh, sort of closing judge meeting with us all, Seamus mentioned this scenario and then also mentioned that Brian... Don't had, talk about this on podcasts. I don't think he mentioned that. Oh, okay. Um, but he did mention <laughs> that Brian had come up to him and said, you know, I was thinking about this whole situation with this deck deckless problem, and there's really a lot of potential for abuse here. Maybe you should look into addressing this. Um, which is a great indication that it wasn't intentional on Brian's part in this scenario, in this one that happened. Yeah. Um, though, at the in the middle of his quarterfinal match, he was still talking about the scenario, you know, getting the jitters out for the top eight, just talking with all the people around him. Um, and that same scenario, he, he explained the scenario to all of them and said, yeah, wow, this is, this is can you imagine how easy that is to abuse? Um, and talked about it there, too. Yeah, so, so it's it's definitely something to be aware of. Yeah, um, and no. and for the the judges listening, like that's worth a policy look into. You know, yeah, it's, it's that's worth, worth, worth reviewing the policy because it's true. Like you know, imagine this scenario. You know, you know how I'm paranoid, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that this is what Brian Kibler did. This is an imaginary scenario, but it's based on real events. You know how you see in the movies, sure, inspired sure. by truth. So, so imagine we call a character Crying Bibbler. Crying Bibbler. <laughs> Mr. Bibbler, right, he is playing his game, and uh, Mr. Bibbler is known for shuffling his cards really fast. When his, hand, when his cards, are, when his, his uh, cards are, in his hands are, are moving, they're a blur. You know, you see it always on the, um, you know, the coverage. You see his hands are literally a blur. This guy can never be busted with, you know, like, oh, I can tell what card that is. You know, it's it's in three places at once. It's like all his cards in his hand are in a super quantum superposition. I would hate okay? to play the shell game with with Crying Bibbler. Yes. Okay. So Mr. Bibbler plays his game, sees like an oblivion ring or spreading sees. It's on one of his things, and then just scoops up his cards into game two. Just scoops them all up before his opponent has the chance to do anything. His opponent is just dejected. He's looking at his hand, wondering if he could have played this differently. Maybe he should have mana leaked to tap him out. I don't know what. So he picks up his cards and shuffles. But Mr. Bibbler has already shuffled up all the cards, knowing that there is an illegal card there. Sure. Okay, he's shuffling his cards so fast that his opponent actually doesn't see this stuff. And you'll see players, when they present their decks, Mm -hmm. and they'll grab each other's decks and go to shuffle, a lot of them will turn the deck to the side and look away so that there's no chance that they can accidentally see uh, a card in case one falls out. Um, You know, I do this. I I, I don't like to look at the deck. You know, if something falls out, I'll be like, hey, can you put that back in? Well, we mentioned earlier that one of the competitors in the top four now has two warnings for looking at extra cards, so he's going to have to be extra careful when he shuffles his opponent's deck in the semis. Yeah, great, out. great that's, point. That's, so, so at this point, like you have two players who are not looking at each other's decks at all, so there's like no chance to spot this. But Mr. Bibbler knows. Now, the thing is that if his opponent bothered to count his own cards... Yeah, like a, with a pile shuffle, say. With, or, with, or, or if his opponent had kept better track of his own cards and realized, you know, I remember I played Spreading Seas on your card uh, and I need that back. Um, you know, if his opponent remembered... I think the chances that somebody will abuse this are mitigated by the risk that 
one of these other players is going to really have a decent memory of the cards that he played. Well, what's the risk? There's the, no the risk. risk. The risk is that Brian shuffles up like this, or I'm sorry, Crian shuffles yeah, up like yeah, this we're not talking and presents Brian, his deck. And his opponent says, that's one of my cards. You just presented an illegal deck. I'm still shuffling mine. Hmm. I haven't presented my deck. How you did this not come up? Well, you can also wait for the opponent to present his deck, and suddenly you have zero and risk. you're both waiting for each other to present because you no, know their deck is illegal? Yeah, Mr. Bibbler is shuffling up the deck, including the missing card, right? This is an old drop assuming We're also assuming that he's committing fraud in a pretty heinous way and getting mm-hmm. away with it. And that 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 you're you're assuming the worst in people for this, in in a pretty and I've told way. you what no and I, I'm not this is an imaginary scenario I'm not assuming anything about anybody, especially Brian. I dis- well, no, of course not him personally, but I, mean, I, I, yeah, I think the chances of angle shooting on this seem low. Yeah, I, because I, you you have to get it by a careless opponent who's not paying attention at all, like. And do you take that chance, right? Like, aha, like, I think this guy's going to forget about his spreading seed. Right, sure. Hey, but well, that... Because the, the risk that he doesn't, I mean, after this scenario, I think every judge that has this happen is going to sincerely look into the, the possibility that the player with the extra card or the player without it, more likely the player with the extra card, or whoever won that first game of the match. Whoever wins the first game of the match they're going to sincerely look into the possibility of fraud on their part. Great. Yeah. And that's and that is all that is the point that I wanted to get to. We're going to judges out there forget about this in 2 weeks. We'll be talking about Taylor Swift again. I, I, have you moved on to Taylor Swift from Mandy Moore? Is that new or No, but okay. Cedric Phillips is a Taylor Swift fan. Oh, gotcha. And, and Cedric is the guy who had the Esper charm thing. Right. So he'll probably come up with the next Whatever for us to talk about. Well, sure. that's the thing, though, is that once the community learns about these things, like we all know now more or less how to deal with a modal spell, and I think we're all much better equipped, thanks to Cedric. Actually, I think we're much better equipped to deal with Cryptic Command in the coming Extended Season. I think people will know much better how to deal with Cryptic Command, um, because that's one of the only modal spells that comes to mind when I think of Extended, and it's also one of the most complex. Um, and also textless. Right, and also textless. Great idea, wizards. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so, nice, okay, but so, I just need to keep a normal cryptic command next to it. <laughs> and as, no, 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 I have Shroud. Oh, that's true. Oh, I can't cryptic command Ricky Hayashi. Okay, guys, so one of the things... Do you think listeners... I can get this to be the next thing? Like, still had all these? Like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> You have to win a major event with a deck that runs four Ley Lines of Sanctity. Then you can say that. Well, I can play the Ley Line deck in Legacy. Well, let's see how it does tomorrow. Turn zero, a bunch of Ley Lines, then Sarah Sanctum, Opalescence. Bam. That's my deck. You're done. Five Ley Lines, that's all I need. That's true. (sighs) So, um... (laughs) I need to. Nice sigh. I need. I need to. I need. Well, I need <laughs> nice to sigh. use my sigh to wrap here. things up. Yeah, we're looking at it's one thirty right now, guys. Uh, one thirty in the afternoon. A.M. One thirty A.M. 
Whatever. Um, that's we've like, recorded for like only an hour, man. Yeah, that's and an you still have to cut podcast. all that stuff out. I have yeah, to cut all that stuff out. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. But um, sincerely, it is time for us to call this podcast over. But we will be back with more content recording on Monday for the seminars. Ooh, uh, we'll be recording. There. Oh crap! You're gonna record my seminar? I'm gonna. Well, you only play one on the radio. <laughs> this isn't the radio. Sorry, you only play one on a podcast. Yeah. Um, so, uh, with that, I'm going to just hurry up to the sign off here because I'm fading quickly and I need to get to bed. Uh, this is Sean Kennedy. I keep it fair. Uh, Jose Boveda. I keep it fun. And Ricky Hayashi. No, no, no. I have Shroud. <laughs> Thanks for listening.